Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 263. Hopefully you guys have had it a great Thursday. Got an amazing guest for you tonight, CL Chronic Steve, Mr. Stubing, as it says on Instagram there. Hello, how you doing today, my friend? Uh, tell us how you are and where we can find you. I'm doing excellent. I'm doing very good today. Um, you guys can find me primarily on Instagram, uh, Seattle Chronic Steve, at Seattle Chronic Steve on Instagram. I do have a website, uh, Seattle Don, uh, Seattle um, and that's the two main <clears throat> I did have a Facebook presence for a little bit, but I just got so tired of their policy and everything to do with them. So I kind of switched to Instagram before they bought them out. And then same things follow and see. But uh, I'm also on Cannabis as well, which is a newer app. So if you guys are on Cannabis, you can follow at me there, uh, Seattle Comics. So. Nice. Nice. I'm right there with you on the Facebook, man. I avoided, I was barely on the fringe of Facebook when I was in Facebook. And then it was like 2010. They said they were coming after everybody with the, like the drug enforcement police and any pictures. I was like, yeah, I'm done. So I avoided Facebook forever. Then finally, like had a little bit of faith in the Instagram and then opened that thing up one day and it was Instagram now follow, powered by Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, you fuckers backdoored me!" <laughs> no matter where we go. Yeah, I actually had some good times on uh, Facebook back in the early days. There were uh, seed trading forums that I got to meet a lot of uh, cool people, breeders, uh, people who weren't breeders back then. We were just kind of everybody was it was like the Wild West, and so. Everybody was trading genetics. And, I mean, that was the good part. And then that kind of came to a whole There was a lot of scammers and things of that nature as well. And people getting bunk genetics, you know, sold hemp seed, and, you know, prime genetics and things of that nature. So I just, I stepped out of that and just kind of started, you know, buying genetics from there on. So, uh... Yeah, don't mind if I roll one up while we get started here. <laughs> I'm a little past due on getting ready for the show here. But, uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll start uh, right off from the beginning. Usually we get to try to find out a little bit about, uh, you know, the cannabis figures that we see on Instagram and get to know them a little bit better. You know, as far as I'm, I see it, it helps uh, consumers relate you know, a little bit more when they're, they can know the person behind the brand, if you will, a little bit. So, uh, yeah, if we, if you don't mind, uh, when was your first experience with the cannabis plant? Uh, might as well start from the get. So we'll go back to my childhood years. We're going way back. Back in the, well, I guess it would be the nineties when I got accustomed to it. Um, my first experience was, man, junior high, I would say. I think eighth grade. Um, I can actually remember the friends and everything, you know, going outside to smoke out of, out of pop can. That was the tech back in the day. We would, you know, get a pop can out of the lighter and take the top and pop holes in it and find a lighter somewhere else. So 
yeah, that was kind of my first foray into it. And then, um, I don't know, it just kind of, it was an obsession for me after that, for the most part, it just kind of blossomed slowly. Like, I went into horticulture class, and that just kind of like, found a bag seed, started trying to pop stuff with my friends. A um, few of us kind of got to the point where one of us actually had a female in his uh, parents' house, and I had a male in my first plant that I ever had. I didn't even know what it was back, you know, I was like, what, 60 years old or something like that. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's kind of where I started kind of just messing around with it. And um, then from there, I mean, I really just grew around it. It's like the culture back then, it was more outlaw, black market in nature. And nobody really talked about it. You just kind of met people at parties and things kind of interlinked. And, you know, you just kind of connected the dots and eventually you just kind of got to where you didn't want to be buying anymore. And so it, it came to like figuring out how we were going to build stuff out or what we we're going to do for lights and figuring genetics out. And you know, I had a lot of friends who went to California and kind of moved that route. And I kind of stayed up here and um, medical came over and that was a huge play. I'm in Washington. And um, I mean, I think everywhere, honestly, California as well, it was just, it was huge for all of us to have that backing. And it's like, the guard was really dropped and so <clears throat> collectives were formed it kind of helped us branch out and start seeing like uh the difference in different phenotypes and things of that nature and i just really being around the plant for many years helping people who couldn't grow being a caregiver uh, i mean it was just it's been a, an amazing experience for me for the most part it, it's something i've always been passionate about ever since you know i guess that first toke it just led to more and more and that's how I kind of feel that you have to be to be in this industry like well rooted in it. It's just you have to have a healthy love for the plant or in my case like an unhealthy obsession. <laughs> I think some of us can vouch for that. It's just uh, it, that's all we want and then kind of comes into play with the medical aspect when we found out that we could help other people and make money at the same time. It was like a win-win situation. So being able to provide for your family and doing you know, people justice as well, uh, helping cancer patients. It's just brought me down a long road. And so that that kind of was like the 2000s, like was dealing with a lot of uh, medical aspects of things and or into the early uh, 30s of mine into the 2010s. And then the middle of that, when medical kind of dissipated in Washington State, it's been kind of a weird adventure for me ever since then. Um, medical is completely gone and so that income went away and it just kind of left me in disarray for the most part like trying to figure out what to do and that's really when i i mean i had already been producing seed for a good you know three three to five years at that point uh, but i just didn't know like what to do and at that i mean my decision was just like instantaneous once medical was gone because i just knew that going with like commercial facilities it was I mean, you just, you kind of have to be a certain way. And I, I, I don't ever like really cutting corners in that nature or trying to really, you know, push out a product fast and trying to chop early, trying to you know, make money off of whatever you can. It's just not my style. Like it never has been. And I think that's just kind of why I've stayed and done my own thing for so long. Like a lot of my friends have gone off and, uh, you know, formed uh, 502s and collectives and other states. I just kind of stayed by the way and did my own thing. And it's, uh, 
kind of come to fruition more so than I ever would have expected it. Like even my wife, like she, she still tells me to this day, it's kind of crazy how far we've come uh, just from I mean, for all the people who are really wanting to get into breeding, like my first piece of advice is like really get into cultivation first. Like I know it looks like there's a lot of money in it, but it's a lot of work and just understanding the plant being around it for a good amount of time um, will just give you a better understanding of what to look for and what to breed for. Uh, reading a lot on breeding as well, that helps. Yeah, I'm just kind of rambling out this way. <laughs> No, no, it's exactly what, uh, the only thing, uh, they said they're having a little bit harder, hard time hearing you. I can hear you fine, but is there any way you could speak up a little bit or maybe inch up to the mic a little bit closer? Fun look. There we go. I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> they were saying they were having trouble hearing you, so, uh. I can hear you, but they're saying they're having a little bit of a hard time hearing you. Chopping out. So, you know, still, still chopping out a little bit. Oh, man. Let me try and change my internet settings up really quick. I'm not breaking the second if I'm cut out. I can get it. Uh, I'm not sure if it's you or me, to be honest with you. It's usually my bandwidth for the most part. No, it seems like it's all right tonight. So, yeah, I think we're good. It's just connection. Yeah, it can be pretty bad at my end. Like I said before the show, I'm not sure what it is. If it's just downright terrible internet or if it's, you know, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me move to another spot really quick. I'm going to take a bong hit and then I can move to another spot over here. Um, it's closer to my sure. internet. I can do a direct plug and it usually kind of solves the problem on my end at least. Right in. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you, you know you actually started with the plant. It sounds like you started growing very early on, and you know that's usually that's for me anyway, and from the people that I've spoke with, that's usually when uh, it's the next phase in the you know the cannabis journey there. You know, recreational and smoking, it's one thing. But once you actually start, you know, playing with the plant a little bit in the garden there is when you actually takes hold and you become, you know, extra passionate about the plant. Uh, so it sounds like you had that advantage a little bit earlier on. Yeah, I would say more obsession and just kind of developed. If you see lights on my face, the Christmas tree is going off. No, it's all good. You don't leave the Christmas. Yeah, you're just turning the light on and off, so it looks crazy. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, keeping, it's it doesn't show. bother us at all. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. No, I think we're good now. So, yeah, microphone's good. Everything's golden, so I think we should be a little bit better from here. 
Good deal. Good deal. So tell us a, a little bit about that first grow. I mean, you briefly touched on it a little bit there, but uh, tell us what it was look like. We were to like kind of peek in there. What was it like? What was the what medium, what pots, what kind of light were you using? Kind of silly shit, I guess. See if everybody can hear me on this one. Before I get deep into the story, I'll kind of wait for a minute and let me check on the chat. I'm going to mute it out. You still hearing me all right? Everything's frozen now. That's me. Now I got the mic off. Let us all know if you can hear us just fine there in chat. Yeah, it was going crazy for a minute. My thing froze up. Hold on. Give me just a moment. All right. I'm going to go into this kind of echo for a minute and I'm going to mute it out. That's me. Now I got the mic off. Let us all know if. If you can hear us just fine there in chat. Yeah, it was going crazy for a second. I think bro. There we go. Are we good? Sounds good on there, and they say. Perfect. Okay. So, good. um, I was, uh, man, I'm, my, hopefully my parents never see this, but, uh, <laughs> I was like 15, 16 years old, and, we found like a collective between uh, three people, like seven bag seed, and we all try to germinate them. We managed to get three germinated. So one of us, uh, well, sorry, there are three of us and each took one seed home. Um, I put it in my closet, which was downstairs in my parents' room. And I managed to grow it in this little closet with uh, my clothes covering the lower section of the racking, uh, just in soil and potting soil, giving it basic water. Um, but yeah, I grew it out and ended up trying to flower it there. And it ended up being a male. It was like a lackluster grow in it. I mean, it was, it wasn't a failure by any means, but it was still a learning experience. And so um, my friend Tyler at the time, he actually got the female and he ended up growing it out in his parents' closet. And um, that was like the first time that we ever got to experience and watch a plant come full term. And um, I don't think we even knew when to chop it down. Like he ended up just cutting it down eventually. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty cool, man. It was definitely kind of something that got me hooked, especially kind of seeing him finish it off and being able to go to, over to his house and see the plant and get to be around it and smell it. And it just, it really developed a, a weird passion for it at that point. And we started going to our, our horticulture teacher at the time and like asking her, you know, for advice on tomatoes and things of that nature. And um, <laughs> there's a few times like, you know, we would try and uh, plant seeds and stuff in there and I mean we smoke in the back of it and one of us ended up getting caught and, I mean we had all kinds of crazy stuff happen in that little horticulture department back at the high school
I like meeting people with uh, some good morals there. And you can tell you've got somebody good on the other end when they start their story with, I hope my mom and dad never see this. <laughs> At your age, when you're still saying, I hope my mom and dad do not see this. You're all right, my book, man. You're all right, my book. <laughs> decision on, <laughs> because I learned all about drugs at that point. And you meet people who, you know, tell you different ways of making them and making money off them. And it was just a downhill road, but that's for a different conversation. <laughs> now my folks are there it's funny how it's kind of come to be and um especially once hemp came um i think that was a real big turning point with legalization i mean it was big and all um i really didn't open up till my like till in my 30s to my parents just because there was just such a weird taboo um, between us and the plant and like I just I guess I never wanted to disappoint them for the most part I've always you know a lot of us want to make our you know, the science behind it, and they just, they, it kind of blew their minds for the most part. It was pretty cool to see acceptance, and the craziest part is that my dad, he's always been a smoker, like, man, he has been smoking forever, and I didn't know it, but I assumed it, and so funny thing is, is I actually found a bag of his when I got out of rehab for the first time for him sending me in for smoking weed, so I took that whole bag except for one nug, and I smoked, I rolled that shit in a blunt with my friend, and I left the nug and just was like a fuck you to my dad back being, you know, a rebel punk. But, man, that was like one of the most offensive things when I found out he smoked weed and that they had like chastised me for it and thrown me in rehab. And it was crazy, man. I just couldn't believe it. And a lot has to go with prohibition and the way they kind of shaped our parents and that generation. You know, I wasn't fortunate enough to have, you know, parents that were hippies or, you know, into that. But I did have friends uh, that had parents that you know they ran and stuff like that and so I did get to see the black market side kind of growing up as well but that's why I think I've held myself and um, not shown my face for so long was just out of respect and kind of to do with the whole black market side of things and you know the old school way that like, he just never spoke about it with people he didn't know he kept quiet like you went quietly, you got a rental to go to the grove store, you took your plates off if you had to take your car because you might get followed home by a cop. It's crazy to see the way that things have like flipped with legalization. And I know it's not everywhere. I hope it will be eventually, but I mean, it's gotten to the point where at least I can do this and, you know, make enough money to provide food and a roof over my head for my family. It's not, I'm not balling by any means or you know it's not I'm not one of those people flossing and pushing packs and trying to push weight I'm in this to help people and that's my roots and it's always going to be why I'm here I'm never you know it's like everything extra I have I try and donate to people it's not 
I'm not a greedy person by any means. It, it, it's always going to be about the plant and then the people who, you know, especially that have helped and pushed me and, you know, tons of people I can name right now. But I mean, I, I do this as a one man show, but I could not be to this point without the help of so many people because it's like I, there's points where I've wanted to stop or I just, you know, feel like my ideas are stupid and it just, it feels good to have a community of people, especially like-minded people, other breeders who just can, I can reach out to and talk to about this. And I don't know, this family, it's like, it's the craziest thing to me because I've met so many people who have become like lifelong friends who have my back more so than my childhood friends who, you know, it's, it's half, I kind of, I like those two worlds separate. Now that I have them together, it's kind of a trip for me, man. You muted, bro. I'll there we go. Back over to it there. So, as you got started there, who were some of the breeders uh, that you looked up to there? Who are some of the breeders that uh, helped you out along the way? Oh man, there is so many people. I mean, there's people that, and it's not necessarily people that you know everybody's heard about, but it's just people who really really put in work and aren't necessarily, you know, known for it as much. But I mean, there's a lot of people I've looked up to as well. Uh, Lemon Hoko. I've always kind of looked over his work and I mean, forum, anything on the forums, Cap, like Kaya, Pacific Northwest Roots. Um, I've always looked up to him. There's just a lot of people from the Northwest, especially. Um, but I mean, there's people from all over that I look up to, but my homie, Cataclysmic, um, Farmer Fly, there's a ton of people. Uh, my wife, Mrs. Seattle Chronic Seeds, she's my number one supporter. Um, I mean, she's literally like, lets me do what I do. And it's crazy because sometimes she'll walk into our rooms or whatever and she's like, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> There's too much going on in here. And I'm like, oh, I got it under control. It's cool. It's cool. cool. Um, but I mean, there, there's, like I said, uh, Jaime Chiba. Uh, he's an old school person. He supplied me with a lot of old genetics that I've been able to work. Uh, man, I just, I feel bad if I'm not shouting out people. There's just so many people that I've, you know, been able to kind of chat and hash things out with. Uh, Mike, the household husband, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, for Hydro Grow, Pence, HD, Hydro Grow, uh, Stone Ninja, uh, Will's a good homie. I mean, it's just, like I said, I could I could sit here and just keep going if I can remember, but I just took a few fat bong rips, and so I'm kind of stuttering on that part. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. In fact, I... Uh, you're right. Stone Ninja did like the post today when I threw up that you were going to be on the show. He's one that's been a little bit elusive for me. He keeps telling me, yeah, yeah, come on, a week or two, and then a week or two. He's a busy man. That's why. Busy. He's always on the road uh, recently, so that's kind of 
we met up in Oklahoma a few times and uh, got to hang out recently. And that's kind of why it's just he's been just going everywhere. So I think now that he's kind of like Christmas time hits and everybody settles down until back into the new year, it'd be a perfect time to hit him back up. I'll, I'll send him a text and be like, hey, man, come on. <laughs> it's time. I would I would appreciate that, man. I would appreciate that very much. Yeah. Christmas is going to, you know, it's, you know, I was wondering how this year would be with everything, but man, it seems to be, everybody seems to be in the, in the spirit, you know, maybe it's the lack of, so. you know, not being able to see each other, maybe. So funny you should say that it's, I mean, besides the whole driving aspect, but I really do think that, um, yeah, people are a little more generous and it's like, we haven't had any human contact that it's like, I, I, People are doing things for other people and helping out a little bit more, uh, donating meals. I know that's something me and my wife are planning on doing is trying to help out, you know, create a uh, fund or something to help out a few families and donate uh, to people who can't afford meals in the region. And I, I mean, it's just, it's a time where we just all, you know, we've been sitting inside and kind of going crazy, especially people who haven't been working. It's a time to be able to go out and like, you know, express joy, I think but, the shopping aspect i always hate going out anyway so it's perfect for me like i get a shop from online at home and like smoke while i do it. it's perfect i don't have to go sit in the damn mall ever again i'm so happy about it not i mean like of course my wife loves going and doing that shit but man i could i could do and never having to set foot in the mall again honestly yeah i don't take the the christmas shopping myself but it is a i guess what but you're right. My my kids are actually to the point the last couple of years where they've like made it too easy for me. Basically, they're just like, "Give me the cash, screw it up. <laughs> we'll just order everything online ourselves." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good with that. You get what you want. I've saved some time." <laughs> I can dig this style, man. That's kind of how I like to do it anyway. So it's worked out for me in my favor. I'm all for it at this point. Like you say, the, I mean, Christmas anymore, at least around here the last few years, it's been a whole different thing. It's like almost, you know, we're cooking and then everybody's like either gathered around the computer or they've got their own computer and we're like shopping together. This is what I've got. You're like, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, or that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different but it's still fun i guess yeah yeah i know i man, i dig it i just didn't like before like having to deal with going to the city like we'd always have a tradition of going to downtown seattle and you know going to santa and doing that kind of thing and so that's i mean yeah there is a downside to not doing that but the past couple years we've done that it's been insane like I mean, there's been people like passed out almost dead off an H in the street, like that you have to walk around and the police just laugh about it. And like, it's just stuff that you don't want your children to see. And so for the most part, I'm kind of glad that it's, you know, 
we're 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 chilling at home. We don't have to go and encounter that. It's just gotten crazy in Seattle recently in the past couple of years with the homeless problem. I mean, people who live here know what I'm talking about. But I mean, I think it goes anywhere. It's just it's crazy for the most part. But I mean, once you step foot into downtown, it's a whole different world. I think with COVID, it's actually kind of chilled things out. Like for some reason, people just seem a little more loving to the situation and willing to help other people out, like I said, but it's like before people were so cold to everyone else, like going out, trying to fight in parking, people cut you off to get a spot. Like now it's like, if you went out and did things right after this, people would be so much nicer about it, I would hope. But you never know, that's humanity. We're doing we're doing better than we're faring a little better than uh, I thought we would hear the beginning there, man. The beginning of this mess, man. I was really starting to wonder if this wasn't uh, apocalypse phase one when everybody was like gouging each other's eyes out for toilet paper. I was really low on faith, but you know, as time has progressed, you know, we've seen to adapt and making the best out. So, yeah, I'm more uh, more optimistic these days for sure. Myself as so, well. Tell us a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, for the first grow there, uh, how can you tell us how you progressed a little bit and into the next phase, or when you progressed into the next phase of uh, of your growing? growing? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. like. I mean, through my teens, it was more like searching for weed. Like, I mean, that's when you kind of just look for it. It wasn't necessarily like, yeah, we grew a few plants, but I mean, that's really where we kind of like had the hunt. And I think me, I had some connections up in Seattle and in Tacoma. And then my homies in Tacoma always had really, they they just had the plug because he had an older brother who grew. And so we kind of got to see that firsthand. And then they really like my homies in Tacoma really started taking off and kind of building out rooms really early on. Um, it wasn't until I think I was in my early twenties, like I would say, you know, 22 or something like that, that I started helping, um, a good friend of mine who he just, he wasn't able to use to see. out this entire thing that he designed and he just kind of led me how to do it how to feed the plants and um, it was a whole different experience getting to see it and like getting to run kind of like that commercial scale um, but it was in you know black market days and so um, but just kind of running in you know whole rooms and flipping them and kind of filling that out and it really led me to kind of getting an understanding of how to build out rooms and like how you know what I wanted out of the plant because I saw the quality of it but for some reason it wasn't like I don't know there was just something missing to me and so that's really um, in my mid-20s it's like when I started kind of researching soil and there wasn't a ton of information I mean the internet wasn't as broad on information but it's like I would just read books on organic gardening and soil and composting and you know trying to create things of that and then I mean, really, the game changer for me is once 
I started reading about, you know, Jadam and uh, Korean farming and just renewable agriculture. It changed the game for me. Like, so I kind of played with, I was scared because I was so used to running cocoa and salts and like running that kind of thing. And so, um, I mean, for a long time, I didn't, I didn't ever do it. I just read on it for many, many years. I read on soil. I mean, I knew how to run nutrients a few different ways. And so we started off with cocoa. Uh, went to Rockwell Cubes, which he preferred, and I prefer cocoa. Um, but I ran cubes for a very, very long time, and I just I hate dealing with those. Like I, highly sensitive to them. I have to wear gloves. I don't like touching uh, Rockwell for the most part. But um, it just it was it was like really a building process for me to understand like how to build out rooms and see how the plants grew and helping people out and so I would I man I just help people out I would say for probably my entire 20s like I didn't have really a spot of my own up until like medical came into effect I would say like late 2000s um, and that's really when I kind of took all the knowledge and started kind of putting things and trying to create you know my own stuff like it and so I had a friend who had a room and we just kind of started, uh, you know, in a small closet and then built out from there and then built the room. And then I just kind of had free reign of it. And it spread like a disease. Like any person who had a free room, I just was like, Hey man, can I grow weed in your house? Like I'll cut you in a you know, let's do this. And it was just a huge thing for me. Like just getting to know all these people and help them grow and see them learn from the same process I kind of did. Um, but I mean, the whole throwing everything away and kind of how we dump stuff, it just, I mean, yeah, I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't cool. It wasn't environmentally friendly to, to be honest. Like it just, the way that they kind of dispose of things back in the day, it was, it, it just really made me think. And so I really started wanting to apply to do, doing a soil. And so I, I started running beds, um, large pots getting into I mean just kind of like simple no-till stuff um, and then eventually I just started fermenting things uh, applying different can methods <clears throat> brewing teas um, pretty much just creating everything on my own and ever since then it's just you notice mostly because it's like you don't go out and spend a ton of money on soil or you know you don't have to spend money on nutrients every cycle and I mean, the one thing I'll say is that you just don't get the same density in the flowers like I do. I, I appreciate both aspects of cultivation just because I've done them. And the commercial aspect is, I mean, I love those, you know, the weight of the nugs and the, the peel of the frost. But I just feel like with my personal medication, I'm all about organic no-till, like just organic flower. I mean, the way it tastes, the terpene profiles. And now, I mean, we've we've started developing methods that, I mean, it's pretty competitive in terms of nature. I mean, the yields are just slightly less. And I, I just, I prefer it. And so I kind of started going with just strictly no-till in my 30s and like then kind of adapting my own ferments, creating my own foods, not buying. I hadn't bought stuff in years. I mean, other than, you know, a few pallets of soil to get things started, it's like, I think I bought some bags of compost and there are times when I couldn't ferment fish or things like my wife will not allow me to ferment fish. She let me.
stuff that I got the first time. And it was not the best quality fish. I just grabbed what I could for free. And so, I mean, I wasn't working with a ton of money at the time. <laughs> Same with labs. I've had lacto explode in one of our rooms. So yeah, I've heard it all when it comes to that kind of stuff. But uh, Korean farming really just opened up my eyes to, um, I mean, not being able to have to dump my money into like buy nutrients every cycle and you know reusing i have to buy amendments and soil sample testing but other than that that's pretty much it um my overhead went way down by doing that and it just i mean it also allowed a little more forgiveness like if i ever had to leave i could hook up blue mats to my beds and walk away for you know set up some monitors onto my phone now and just walk away for a week to where before like you had to be there all the time. You didn't take vacation. I mean, I didn't take a vacation in years. I mean, many, many years until this automation system came out. Like everybody is automated now. And so it's kind of uh, alleviated things for us. <laughs> I'm still not on the automated train. I'm still one of the ones, last ones probably to pull the trigger on that. I'm still water and hand water and still rushing home to open tents. I don't know. <laughs> that that's my home so yeah that's i i'm not gonna lie that's how that's how it comes usually but that's why with beds like i find it forgiving that you can just grab some blue mats um if you have to run you know if you have a family emergency you got to go away for five six seven days grab a blue mat system any of those type of drip feed systems and i mean you can literally walk away throw up a pulse get everything monitored on things if you have to it's crazy but no i like i personally i like i i like to hand water stuff like i like to go into my garden i like to disable that stuff when i'm going to be here and i like to spend time with each of my plants i like to look at every aspect like it's just part of selection with kind of going through the process and knowing what you're going to put in flower what you know like just running through my cycles and so it's like I have to be hands-on with the plants. And so I feel like with hand watering, I can like feel the soil. I can look at like, what type of beneficials do I have in the soil? I can flip the soil, look, see what's running around, scope it. I mean, I just, I get personal with every plant. And I think that's really kind of the difference is that like, especially with my own creations, like, yeah, I cut, I'll scope them and kind of, I'll run them. But it's like, when it comes to my creations, I, I treat them like a child for the most part. And so I like, I mean, I feed them the best water. It's like I go get spring water and shit like that. I feed them well. I give them the best cover crop. I try and, you know, treat them like a a special plant, like every single one of them. And I think it shows, like, it goes down generationally. I mean, especially when you select the right things and add in probiotic methods. Like, it just, uh, probiotic seeds germinate at extremely high rates. And I've had people say that, you know, especially when they use the same methods or put it in probiotic methods that it, it, the growth is crazy as well. Like a lot of people are freaked out. What'd you do to my seeds, man? So tell me a little bit about uh, doing some probiotic uh, with the seeds. I've never really heard of uh, 
using probiotic with seeds. Are you soaking them in uh, probiotics? Is that what I'm gathering? You can use lacto basically in your soak, like if you use a drop or two, but it's just probiotically produced. So the plants are fed probiotically throughout their whole term cycle. Um, And then the males as well. Um, But I mean, it's mostly due to the term of production. Like it's a whole term production with seed. Um, They just tend to be healthier seed stock, probiotic seeds. That's just the way that the plant was maintained throughout its health cycle. And so, um, I mean, synthetic, I wouldn't necessarily say the other seeds are synthetic seeds because they're not derived synthetically. I mean, they come from the plant, but no, it's just probiotically produced seeds. So the plants were produced probiotically and they generate probiotic rich seeds. I'll use a drop in my, like the way I germinate seeds, um, but I mean, that's not necessarily to do with probiotically coating them. Like I don't go and put a drop on each before I send it off or anything like that. No, it's just the magic that happens beforehand in the soil. I can appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So uh, do you want to tell us that, uh, is there any uh, other things, any teas you like to use, uh, you know, uh, in your garden? Man, I've been trying to, I've actually, there's not a particular blend. I'm always kind of switching up. Um, I'm trying to think, like, I just, I just kind of run base ingredients for the most part, like, just like a base humic or, or, I mean, creating my own for the most part, if I can. Um, It seems like I've kind of had to close that loop in the past few years with less space. Um, yeah, so I've actually had to kind of purchase. And there's a company that sent me a sample. I'll have to go Mighty Plant. Um, they sent me, it's a non-brew tea formula that I've been running recently with pretty good results. And so uh, basically just saving me the 20, you know, 24, 48 hours of brewing. And I'm just on a sample run of that right now. So I'll kind of give some feedback on that here probably in the next two or three months once I run a few terms. Um, just because I like to run side by side. So I have a few running with tea and then a few without, and then I'll, I'll know how it runs and stacks up. But so far, I mean, the plants seem healthy and they're, they're seeming to like it and it seems to have the same effect in the soil. So we'll see. So what are some of the, this, your first, uh, what were some of the first, uh, efforts that you put out there, uh, you know, working with producing some seeds. What were some of your first crosses there? Um, Super Sour CBD was like my first project. Um, it wasn't the first cross I ever released. Um, I did like a Purple Lemon Haze way back in the meta. I think that was like 2013, 14 um, in like collective shops. I did a lot of stuff I would work and then I would release as clones um, to, you know, Washington collectives. There were two or three collectives that I worked with in releasing clones. And there was one that was called uh, SOG, if you ever had it back in the medical days. And it was um, a medicated OG cross um, that I did. And it was just, it was one of the first Indica one-to-ones that I created. And so I had that clone for a little bit um, running around circulating in Washington. But there's a few of them I sent to fire stacks and I can't remember. I'd have to think back to my first crosses like um, let's see so there I mean they were all older crosses too so like PCK crossed with triple purple rhino 
Um, a lot of the stuff I use, I actually kind of created building blocks out of, and they're still kind of prevalent in some of the lines that I'm using now. So even years down the road, I'm still using a lot of the Ghani influence stuff. Uh, Doobie Hauser, uh, that was, um, I think, probably my first successful release. And that's um, an LA Confidential cross. So that was 91 after. 91 AFI cross with LAX, which is LA Confidential cross with Auto 2. That was a one-to-one creation. Um, And so that kind of brought out the cannabinoid profile. And it just, I mean, that was kind of my whole hunt like back in the day was really finding different cannabinoid profiles just because there wasn't a ton of that. I mean, there never was, especially in like the collectives, it was all THC dominant stuff. And so I really had to get to work back early on. Uh, we're just trying to figure out like medicine for myself because like I, I was in chronic pain all the time from being, uh, I wouldn't say like a, a semi-professional snowboarder. So I never got paid for it, but I did it like crazy as hell kind of shit. And so my body's jacked up and it was like I found relief out of certain things, but I felt like they made me too agitated, like sour tsunami. I liked it, the flavor, but I felt like it just made me jittery. And so it's like I really went down the road of trying to figure out how to breed things from there. Um, just kind of finding out medical properties and finding what worked. And I really found out that sours worked extremely well. Um, and then diesels from, I, I used to have a diesel cut way back in the day that it worked tremendously for my pain. Um, I wish I could find it, but that was back in like 2003 or 2004 when I first was helping out. Some of the best diesel, like e-smoke I have, I wouldn't even know if it was called diesel back then. It just, it's not like burnt tires and fuel. And so it's not like straight up like diesel fuel, burnt rubber. And I'll never forget that. But it worked extremely well for chronic pain. And so um, I just hunted down like a sour D and kind of started figuring out how to line work things and um, yeah it was not always but I like to create um, mostly a lot of my work I mean I've been trying to pop more seeds and incorporate more stuff just because I know like working all your own stuff doesn't get you noticed. Um, Unfortunately, it's like when you're trying to do something innovative and unique, it's like, I don't know, people want hype stuff. And so it it wasn't until I really started kind of incorporating other people's work and hunting all these other packs that I I started finding out why it's because I mean, you know, working yourself to this limit it's like I could only reach this certain floor like I just I couldn't elevate anymore and once I started hunting other people's gear and seeing I mean just some of the quality work from like Mean Gene and third gen family farms and like people coming out of California just really dropped my jaw like not only about like cannabinoid profiles but then it just really got me on to like flower appeal and how like resin content and how the plant should look and then you know it just man people down there are doing some amazing work like i think everybody knows me and gene's doing some amazing work but i'm rambling i'm sorry man (laughs) oh no 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 it's perfect it's perfect 
just before I forget and just because it's kind of relevant to where we are, uh, Chad Westport and Chad would like to know your connection to evil. Was he, uh, what, are you able to keep up with, uh, Bryce and Steve on skis? Oh man, I haven't, I haven't seen Bryce and, uh, Steve in a long time, man. I haven't seen that whole crew. So I actually, I worked for Evil in my late 2000s. And I have a lot of cool friends that I had from that venture. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sure I probably could. I ride, I ride hard still. Um, I haven't been up this year, but I'm looking to go up Tuesday, actually, for my first time with my uh, old riding partners. I've been riding with them for like 20 plus years. So yeah, we're going to go up and go charge Crystal a bit. I don't know. I don't charge like I quite used to. I mean, I hit 40 this year and like, man, I tweak my back. It's like once you injure yourself and you kind of, I don't know. Once I got up there, I'd have to see, but I'm sure I, I, I probably could keep up with Bryce. Last time we tried to, man, it was a joke, but he was in tip top shape and I was kind of sketched out back then. I was super stoned and dabbed out and trying to keep out with this professional skier who's a legend, man. It was, it was, it was comical. <laughs> well at least you're trying at least you're trying it says a lot about you you know i mean it it i would be slightly intimidated to be you know boarded next to a professional i mean <laughs> i mean there, there would be a slight intimidation factor there you go first you go first i don't even want to want you to see me fall down the hill you go first <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool because um, the you know, I, I had small sponsorship through many companies, like pretty much just being floated gear. Unfortunately, I was kind of flaky back in my twenties, so whenever there was like photo shoots or things established i'd flake out and just uh yeah i would just kind of go off and do my own thing all the time i just party and snowboard that's what i wanted to do and so yeah it never came to a career or anything like that but i had a lot of fun that's for damn sure and uh, evo did support me for a very long time that's uh bryce was very fortunate to i worked down in the warehouse for a few years sorting stuff and yeah i got a bunch of free product man it's a good place man good times So, uh, you know, as you progress, what are some of your, what are some of the favorite uh, profiles that you like, you know, uh, what are your, some of your turf profiles that you like and uh, you're actually oh, searching man. for currently breeding with? So like turf profiles, I'm kind of, I've, it's like, I'm not necessarily hunting for anything in particular. I'm looking for everything unique, like things that just, uh, kind of shock your olfactory senses almost like my main thing is finding things that you haven't smelled before and we, I mean like having certain tones like you know the gassiness or the fruitiness and but just finding different funk like just different profiles different terpene combinations that people don't necessarily know about and I would say like a lot of the new lines I've been working uh, lip gloss uh, that shit is ridiculous like I can't even describe it to most people because it's like a sour Sprite cream cake and 
gas, but it also, I found phenos to smell like peanut butter, like straight up peanut butter and Sprite. So it's like, there's just some weird variations. And I mean, it's the same plant. And so it's like on the initial smell, it smells like peanut butter. And then when you take your nose away, you get a Sprite smell to it. So just odd things that you wouldn't necessarily find. Um, the other thing I'm really into is just finding uh, unique and rare cannabinoids or cannabinoids, I guess I should say, proper terminology. But um, yeah, just finding things for, you know, different medical patients, because I think the two of those really are what science is missing out on and that they, you know, we kind of have to prove it to them that there is shit here and it's been healing us for years. Like I wouldn't be alive if I wasn't, you know, in taking as much RSO and cannabis as I, I would probably have died of cancer or something else from abusing my body in my twenties. And it's like, this has healed me and allowed me to, you know, be a better person. So I have nothing but love for this plant. Me too. Me too. I think the, the plant itself actually uh, drives us to be a better person. You know, as uh, you kind of hitting to there a little bit with the organics. For me, it didn't necessarily, it's leading me back to the organics. But, uh, I mean, once you've kind of hit that niche or notch in your growing career in a, just on a small level, you know, it, it seeps into everything else. You know what I mean? It might start with, you know, you're worried about the cleansiness or the quality of your cannabis, but it quickly goes from there to, well, what the hell's in the food I'm eating? You know what I mean? And I need to start being my footprint, worried a little bit more about my footprint, and I can be recycling stuff. So <clears throat> not only that, I think it recycles, uh, like, you know, it is a plant remediator when it takes a lot of the bad stuff out of the ground than the soil that, but I think it takes a lot of the bad stuff out of us when we go in there and just cultivate the plant, you know, as we go in there, I think it just sucks the bad part of the day right out of us, yeah, you know, yeah. just turn it right into something good, just like it does seem to do with everything else. It's a miracle plant, really, it really is. You ever get hives? You get hives from working on plants, you have to sleeve up? Uh, occasionally, just on the real good ones. <laughs> you know, that's, again, one of the times that I can tell it's it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. No, I got that's what I, I am sensitive to hash plants. Like, hash plants break me out so bad that I can't, like, I, I will break down and, like, go into shock. So I have to watch out for some of those, especially male pollen. Like that stuff will kill me, man. Uh, allergies are very, it's, I don't, and I haven't developed them until recently, but it's like, man, I've gone in and especially on potent plants, man, I come out, my arm is welted. And so I've started to wear long sleeves and more like a bandana mask when I go, especially when I do pollinations, like I'll wear a straight up like painter mask, like, or, you know, a mask underneath a bandana and like, I look like I'm going to like rob a bank or something. And I'm just carrying a little male plant to go pollinate. <laughs> Full on goggles, everything, what? man. Well, in this day and age, you could just be going to the store in COVID times. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> well, it's literally what like literally what fifty percent of people look like. So that's pretty spot on. And Mad Max looking shit out there nowadays. So, uh, 
what I mean, how many strengths would you say that you've uh, put forth in your in your uh, cannabis journey? Not necessarily the ones you've put out, but I'm sure there's been some stuff that you've created that's never seen the light of day, or you just kept oh, back for one reason or another. Man, I would say easily over 200, uh, maybe 250 at this point. I think I'm closing in on the 300 mark. Um, but I also have to go back to testing things. And so that kind of like, I got to a point where I was just producing a ton of seed, but it takes time to like go back and cycle things. So it's like you hit these numbers with the cultivars and then you have to go through, you don't have to, but it's just kind of how I do things. And so I have to test the seed and I mean, I would probably hit higher numbers, but yeah, I would say probably around 250 plus, I would say to be safe. So can you tell me a little bit about your methodology when you like thinking about putting together a strain? Is it, you know, necessarily do you have a flavor in mind from the get and then you kind of trying to piece it together with, you know, strains that are available to you? you know, that you can put together to maybe you meet that flavor profile or, uh, you know, tell me, tell me what, uh, when you, when you're working, fixing to come up with a new strain, uh, what are you thinking? How are you going about it? So if this is, I used to have like all these intricate plans and, um, like, I would basically like line work all these things and like try and make this perfect plan of like, you know, I'm going to find this pheno and this pheno and it's going to create that. And like to an extent, I still do that. But for the most part, over the years, I've kind of learned to just like let nature do work and sit back. time invested on it um it's it's kind of heartbreaking like when you're like this is going to be my next big hit or something and you just feel like this is a great thing and i that's why i say that 250 plus is because i put stuff out that i would never release to people because yeah the first generation was amazing but it's like reading with it was super unstable you know there's just multiple factors um and i think that really comes into play for things it's just i, I think that for the most part i kind of lost my train of thought hey babe can you grab my uh drink sorry i gotta grab something to drink i'm getting caught in mouth no worries no worries in fact if you don't but, mind uh, i'm you, gonna take a so, dip to get some cotton mouth while you talk uh, <laughs> yes sir go for it i'll think we're on about that as well so um uh, when it comes to selection i really let things happen uh, naturally through nature like I just pop a shit ton of seeds and kind of look back and see exactly like what the best plants are from that scenario. And so it's, it's not that I, I don't plan for things, but I let nature have its influence as well, because I've learned that under time, like over time, um, if you try and force things, it's just not going to work out in your favor. Like nature will always have her say. And so it's like, if you can learn to, really understand like the plant and like what 
the best genetics are in front of you and then trying to figure out it's kind of like an on the fly thing like i've always been like that i've always been able to be like oh shit my tire blew off i you know i got to figure something out and macgyver something up and it's kind of the same thing with plants it's just figuring out okay so i have these three plants now that are amazing i have this male which one will work best with it or you know trying to do that and I don't actually like to use one male on, you know, like a ton of different ones. I like to try and figure things out, like what would work best as a whole, like, or what can I get a one-to-one profile out of? What can I find a new terpene profile out of? And so that's kind of how I go about things. It's not necessarily like I'm going to make, you know, all these runs crosses because that's what's going to sell, or I'm not I just, I don't know, just kind of the the thought process of trying to push something out because that's what's marketable isn't what I like to do. I really like to just let nature have her say in things and then kind of be the guide. Like it's like I learn things that will work together. And I think it's growing males out over time. That's the other thing is just knowing how males are going to pass on generationally because it's like a lot of people are like, oh, this male looks fire. Let's put them together. And it's like, well, yeah, it might look fire. You might get 50% fire crosses, but then you're going to get, you know, a quarter of them are going to be crazy as shit. You don't know what they're going to look like. People just throw them out. The next generation's probably going to be all screwed up because they have no idea, you know, how to select for what traits. And so it's just kind of a guess. And I'm, yeah, I found cool stuff from guesses. I have, I found really cool shit, but at the same time, it's not breeding. It's like, you have to really sit and draw out an outcome as to what your intention is but you have to let nature have per se in things and so it's just like being able to say okay well i have a plan a a plan b and a plan c for this one plant i guess that's what i should just said from the get-go and that would have summed it up easy rambling about that but i just like to create multiple plans for one plant and so i have a i mean having a lot of plants means you have a lot of plans but it's just kind of how you have to do things you have to prepare because usually plan a isn't going to work out how you want it to and so plan b probably won't either and so having a plan c might (laughs) i mean that's just kind of how you have to work things with breeding it's like opinion so something that's a little more so recessive uh lighter um it's just something that isn't going to translate as well in the female so the female is going to take dominant dominance over time um the only thing you're really going to look for is the smell of the plant and so people say stem rub that doesn't necessarily equate to how the flower is going to smell eventually but it does give a smell to the plant and so um I think over time you just kind of get a smell and sense for the plant and it's just crossing it over, running the seed stock and then seeing what lies in that stock. And that's the only way of doing it is making the cross and then seeing kind of what the progeny looks like. And so then understanding like, okay, I get a lot of these that look like the mom. I get these weirdos. Where do these come from? Okay. Well, most likely they're from the dad. So, I mean, if they're a weird looking kind of funky, not as shapely, you know, nug, then most likely it took some of the recessive traits from the father. And it's just getting an understanding of those traits. And I think 
over time, if you make enough crosses, you put the plants together, you run enough seeds, you get an idea as to what to look for in those. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like, I can go in and say like, okay, I've popped all these seeds. I used to put, you know, every label and every single, now I just kind of put, I know what they are, but it's like, I don't go in and look at the labels. I just go in and look at the plants. All cool. I don't even care if it's a 250 $300 pack, whatever you want to call it. It's like, if it's a crap seed, it's gone. Like there's no room, no room for crappy seeds. It's just immediately going in, taking care of them, um, making sure that you just have vigor throughout your entire cycle, especially for selection. Like I like to select for vigor in the first stage specifically. Um, I do a lot of stress testing specifically in the second stage. Um, that's where I like to do water deprivation, overwatering, um, light stress, um, just branch stressing, wind stress. I like to try and take them out and get pests on them. Um, I like to see how they do, treat them, uh, take cuts before I do all that. And I run the cuts and see how the cuts respond as well. And so there's a lot that goes into each seed creation. I mean, it's not just, oh, I put these together and here's your seed. It's, I mean, it's a process and that's like everything I release kind of goes through this entire process. There might be one or two things and I'll let people know like, yeah, these aren't you know, these haven't been line worked by me. They might be one or two generations deep, but you'll still find good work from them. Oh, I knew that. Oh, sweet heaven. <laughs> well, it's amazing what a little refreshing drink can do for you. I appreciate you go through that trouble with your seeds. You know, I've been stating that for a long time. You know, these, uh, I'm not going to point out names or whatever. The wham-bam breeders, basically, you know. In the in the the price of seeds, I hear people bitch about the price of seeds there quite a bit, too. But they don't understand, like, the time span, like <laughs> you're talking about. You know, what you've, that doesn't happen overnight. A quality strain that's been trusted out correctly does not happen overnight. And, you know, and, and not, I mean, we're just talking about time there. We're not talking about inputs, electricity, your time and, you know, hanging out and doing all that. And, yep. you know, it is what it is when it comes to seeds, you know, I, if you want quality, you know, you find a quality breeder and you don't necessarily bitch about whatever it is, you know what I mean? There's, there's so much time and effort into a quality breed that uh, it just makes it, it makes me pissy when I hear people bitch about the you know how much a pack of seeds is and all that good stuff you know I think they're too getting too spoiled with the wham bammers to be honest with you the flybys that just want to yeah. hop something out throw it out there and you know oh it's you know cheaper than that pack well it might be cheaper but you're gonna get what you pay for. That's exactly don't, and like you said. Paper. Don't try to think about working with that shit either. That's the other thing that worries me right now. It's something like you said, you know, is even being tested. So then you get another guy that, you know, the strain was pretty good. So I'm going to cross with it. You know what I mean? Not knowing that it was never tested or there's probably problems in the next round, just waiting to pop their uh, ugly head up. And, you know, it's, you know, the state of breeding right now just scares the shit out of me. There's just so many 
hype times hype, you know, somebody just trying to make a quick buck. And I'm, you know, the recreational market scares the shit out of me just because of that. You know, if so many people want to jump on there at the gold rush, make a buck, man, everybody's buying seeds. I need to be putting out seeds. Well, no, you need to be putting out quality stuff. Otherwise, you you know, you're going to skew the market terribly, terribly. Yep. And then the quality of cultivation, man, it's, it's pretty poor in most. I mean, there's, there's some people that know how to do it that are licensed, but it's, when you have to scale that large, people don't realize how hard it is. Like really the, the adapting the environment, the money that goes into it, it's crazy. Like running a cultivation facility is expensive as hell. Yeah. You make a lot of money off of it, but man, it is spendy and the quality of product. You just, you can't necessarily like, I mean, unless you pay a shit ton of employees, it's like a lot of them don't want to do that. They want to pay as little as possible, make as money as as much money as possible. And it's kind of the same thing with that seed market. Like it's always going to be there. I mean, it's just the commercial aspect to it. It's just never been for me. And I've, I mean, there are a few people doing it right. Like um, Spark Industries in Washington. I've been working with them. Uh, John, the head there, he's, he's amazing, man. He's a really smart, resourceful guy. Um, you can actually see him on Instagram, Spark Industries, wah. Um, but they, they haven't even opened. He's been building out that facility for three years, I think. Um, and he's done an amazing job. And so he ran a bunch of my genetics and he's been really receptive and getting back to me and testing and it's just been a cool process to actually have somebody in a commercial facility follow through with what they're going to say, because a lot of time I've sent out, I've sent out so much money in genetics and never heard shit back from people. And it's like, he's, he is, he's become a good friend, I'd say from this whole process. And um, yeah, you guys will probably, I'll probably take a tour down there and show people as well. Eventually uh, pretty soon they're going to have a release here in the next, I think after the new year and all, some of my genetics will be on the, the recreational market for the first time as well so it's pretty cool see that happen but um, i'm actually planning on doing my own foray into it with uh dutch blooms um, possibly this uh, spring trying to do my own thing over um so we'll see i mean i might do some um you know just make my own hash just because i've been washing and doing hash rosin for a long time and rosin pressing bho i mean closed loop open blast i mean i've done i've done it all um ethanol i just i i really want to get back into it and so that's something i've kind of been looking forward to is just really get back in the pressing market and i love rosin man i love dabbing so with that being said is that uh gonna necessarily change how you breed can't help but wonder that no i so the only aspect producing strains that are you know hash maker friendly so i mean it might have more influence for commercial facilities like i'll definitely have have more hype like stuff out in the future but i'm going to kind of separate the lines like i'll have you know certain stickers based for you know, kind of the hype crowd. It's just, you know, because there's always a market for it. And so um, the thing with having that is that they, they have such uh, an open amount of space to be able to test. So having that much help and then he's actually able to like run that flower full term, take cuts, um, giving me back all the analytical data. 
um, and then basically just kind of let me know like what each thing's testing at or you know what the levels are and then we can kind of work together into me figuring out like where I'm going to take those lines at that point so it's like I mean analytical cost means so much money every month and people don't realize that when you're testing for cannabinoids like you know 40 to 80 dollars a test and you're testing shit 200 to 500 strains you know every few weeks like i mean it it adds up pretty quickly and so i mean that's why i just i feel like i needed kind of somebody with that resource as well to where they have a a lab that they're i think they're gonna end up building and tell me hopefully that would be awesome but um yeah just having that analytical data back it it helps out to know you know all those because i gave them a shit Ton of seeds and so to be able to see like you know he ran through a few hundred and then to see you know what the phenotypical variation i was able to go down through the process before they cut them down i was able to select which ones they should keep i mean they let me kind of do my thing in their process and so it was it was a positive experience through and through it's not like i just gave them seeds they chose the shit out and that's that it's like they literally i can go down anytime and kind of look at my work or suggest you know like oh, you should take clones of these, and you know, but I mean, with the market, they're only allowed to do so much. I can't just go and be like, oh, I want these ones back or whatever. They just, unfortunately, they don't allow that until I have a 502 license. But, no, but it is nice to be able to, you know, see it and work with them like you know, see how they're grown and all that. Uh, it's a very nice input, nice angle to have, man. A lot of breeders don't get to see that, you know what I mean? It's, it's a pretty good insight. My wife came and distracted me. I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> Completely stopped me mid-thought. It's nice to see... Uh, can of couples that uh, are able to share the cannabis plan and move forward. So uh, I'm glad to see it, man. Shout out to you and her to uh, make this journey together, man. That's pretty awesome. If you guys want to check her out, it's Mrs. Chronic Seeds on Instagram. And she's doing a can of photography and can of art. So she she is a, a little artsy fartsy girl. <laughs> No, she's good. She supports that. Yeah, it's good. It's funny that when I first met her, she actually did not consume cannabis. Yeah, Dare ruined her. She even admits it too. But um, yeah, just over time, like I turned her to the to the right way. She was all about taking shots, and I was like, no, we got we got. Well, I like took a dab in front of her, and she was all terrified. She was like, are you smoking meth or something? I'm like. Because this is back, you know, like, early 2010, like, you know, nobody knew what dabbing was back then. And so it's like, you're heating up with a torch, a hot aluminum nail. Like, it was just, it looked crazy back then, especially when people hadn't been around weed at all. And then they see you smoking. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird to see that because I came from that time myself and I'm still a little, I, you know, 
It's just weird. I don't like the torches aspect of it either, man. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, I was gifted an email here not so long ago. And I'm, I am still, you know, I feel better that the torch is out of the equation, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't know yeah. what it is about throwing that torch out that kind of, even to me, it's like, ugh. I do. I it's, like yeah, me too. But it's it's just something we do now. It's kind of one of those things. And I've I've become a little more accustomed to smoking flour in the recent years, taking a step back from dabbing. You know, kind of like I I still do hash rosin and stuff, but like BHO and diamonds. Like once diamonds came to be, and kind of I think once we were figuring them out in the first stages, and just kind of smoking more kind of crude base, not necessarily cured as well. It was super harsh on my lungs and so it just it, it led to me developing almost like an adult uh, asthma again like I had it as a child didn't have it for a long time and then I got asthma and I just can't dab BHO or anything well my lungs and stuff I will only usually dab solventless unless I know who, uh, you know, has done the extraction and they've done a good job. It comes from good material and very picky, like you said earlier. And figure out exactly what it was until I figured out I was celiac and I didn't find that out until my 30s so um, I just I did a toll on my immune system and just my body from eating wheat for so many years it's I kind of have to take extra good care of myself and I watch everything I consume at this point and so I think after 35 to 40 like I mean I eat extremely well I try and take care of myself and you know just watch everything that goes in I drink a lot of Fermented foods, uh, kombucha, kefir, uh, topo chico, that's my jam. I like to drink a lot of that mineral water. That's just amazing. If you've never tried it, please try it. Put a little bit of lemonade in topo chico. I brought, that's what I'm drinking right here, actually. <laughs> so what is that and how does it differ than uh, kombucha there? So topo chico is just a carbonated mineral water. It's not like a probiotic culture. It's just more to help with digestion. Like it feels better to help alleviate any pressure on my stomach. Uh, just because a lot of time I get kind of like a stomach cramping, especially if I've had any like products that have been around weed or, you know, around milk or anything like that. So it's like, it just, it helps to alleviate my stomach pain just to have bubbly stuff. And so if I can't have kombucha, which you're not supposed to, drink it all the time like it's good to have it's just kind of like you know every two or three days i'll have a glass of it but drinking uh nate and his wife uh, she has a company called Trade Water Organics, and they make a ton of natural, um, naturopathic stuff infused with CBD. And so she sent me some uh, 
stomach caps they're supposed to help with your digestive flora and uh, tummy ache tincture and I switched off of a lot of the stuff I was taking just in, for those and I've been feeling great like the past I think month I've been taking those and I haven't had a single issue or attack with it so it's pretty good it's been working out for me but I tend to take probiotics like uh, cold stored probiotics if I don't culture it myself like I have to use almond milk or you know soy based um, just because I can't do um, lacto intolerance as well. I'm one of those weirdos. Like I have to go and do a dairy-free latte and gluten-free and everyone thinks I'm trendy as shit. And I'm like, you fucking assholes. Like I, I got a disease. <laughs> I like to give people shit like that. <laughs> well, uh, Lactose intolerant isn't, you know, too far off the map. I mean, we're not necessarily supposed to drink a lot of milk. You know, our bodies you know, weren't you know, geared for that. It's something that uh, we did for well, protein reasons back in the day and kind of never shook it. <laughs> you know, a lot of cultures. I'd say never it's more an allergy. Like I get, I get sick of shit from it like to where I almost had to go to the hospital once and that's when I kind of stopped bunch of glass and then a bomb going off with hot boiling water in your stomach and it just continues to burn for weeks weeks and it never goes it just swells and you can't eat you go to the bathroom like a hundred times a day it's very miserable and so I started having like almost a reaction like that and I thought the food is contaminated and so I I, it only took me like two or three days and so I knew it wasn't gluten because gluten takes me like two weeks maybe three weeks to recover from once I and so I just I had something else with cheese, I think, a day or two after, like pizza or something, and it made me sick again. I was like, fuck. There go all my favorite foods. <laughs> no more cheese. No more wheat. I think it's funny, the sacrifices, you know, that we make later in life for health. You know, I mean... I, I I definitely eat a lot of foods and drinks and stuff. I I'd like some apple cider vinegar and honey. I drink that occasionally when I don't have no kombucha. You know, you know, you kind of fade it out there. So what would be some of the ne- negative drawbacks from drinking kombucha every day? Because I do drink, you know, almost every day I have a bottle of it. So what would be the downfalls of uh, too much? What I've heard is that a lot to do with the sugar content, like um, just to do with the amount of sugar goes into brewing. I know people say it doesn't stay relevant, like it's used in the fermentation. There's still a residual process of it. And so it just kind of creates almost like, I guess if you're drinking it every day, that's kind of how you're ingesting it. But it's so, if you were to stop taking it for a day, your body didn't really kind of have like a crash or, or at the same time, like I, I developed a tolerant, like a tolerance to having one a day and I'd have to have two uh, to keep my digestive tract happy. And so eventually if I didn't have two a day, I would start to get an upset stomach towards the end of the day versus having, you know, like a clean stomach all day. Um, 
and it, it might not necessarily be to with people who have you know a healthy stomach lining or a healthy gut and don't have gut issues um, but it, yeah it just it started developing like stomach pains like the kind of just not pains but i'd say digestive issues kind of gassiness it's just kind of like my stomach was crashing it wasn't and that's why i say crashing is that i noticed i developed a tolerance from drinking them and i would have to you know up my intake just like anything else and so i started trying to space it out and i figured that if i just have one kind of occasionally you know every two days or something like that space it out kind of let my natural flora occur have another one to introduce some beneficial um, in the meantime, like on my day off or two days off, I'll have prebiotic rich stuff. So things with fiber to help feed the probiotic bacteria. Um, but then I'll kind of go back to the probiotics just to help fuel things and keep kind of a healthy level of everything. Um, because I can notice, I mean, once things shift off for me, I mean, it, it happens like within hours. Like it's not like most people where it's, you know, it's like, like a pH swing on a plant. Like it's where you can sink, like, I guess soil, it takes gradual to where it, you're running rock well you're going to see it pretty instantaneous interesting yeah i do i'm the same way if i skip a day or whatever i am definitely feeling my body's like oh you need to get some kombucha or, or something like that but uh, yeah, something yeah. Healthy. Yeah, once you get on that, that kick, I think your body, like you said, I don't know if it becomes dependent or, you know, your body's just used to, you know, the good cycle going, hey, man, we're starting to get a little bit back to bad shit in here, man. Where you been, man? Where you been? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I kind of changed my life just uh, learning about soil and being at work for my stomach, like learning about regenerating, trying to draw metals out, you know, things of that nature. It's just once you go down that rabbit hole and start learning about how plants kind of do the same thing and you learn that your stomach is essentially the same as a root zone, like you kind of start wondering, especially when you start eating synthetic foods and things, you know, I started reading the ingredients and looking at the, you know, scientific nature of the compound and how our body reacts to it. I mean, the shit that people eat, it just, it changes our DNA for the most part because you're eating so much plastic and other you know, non-consumable materials and chemicals. Yeah, just, it leads to an unhealthy floor and problems over time. And so I just, I mean, it really took me down to, to checking my own life and keeping my own self in check to, you know, live a healthy life for my son and wife just to make sure. Because <clears throat> I did some damage to my body throughout the years, but I made sure that, you know, I think this probiotic method of trying to heal myself like my plants, it's, it's done a pretty good job. I agree, man. That's a, uh, it's funny how the coincidence is that, you know, sometimes life takes you down, but yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm not necessarily even down deep into the organics rabbit hole. I'm still like listening to books and whatnot. And, uh, I'm definitely seeing, you know, a direct correlation as we go on, you know, between the plants, what we're given the plants and, uh, you know, our bodies and, it's funny sometimes I think I talked to uh, Smiley's Gardens who's on the show quite a bit and organics is you know his thing there and he's as he's still as we're talking you know as like a certain input will come up I kind of relate it to 
how our body's using it. And then I kind of like relate it back to the plant a little bit. I'm like amino acids, basically, you know, how we're putting inputting the aminos, you know, to kind of strengthen the structure of the plant. I'm like, well, we're putting amino. When I was, you know, in school, I used to give myself amino acids to build my, you know, my structure and shit. So I can kind of, you know, I'm finding a, the correlate, direct correlation and a lot of things, but, you know, nitrogen and why we use it how the plant uses it moreover you know uh gut and i you know the the mycology in our gut and then the soil and how it's directly related one in the same again and it's a very intelligent culture right there uh it's an amazing thing i was you know and again i don't know what made me start worrying about you know my gut and you know going down the kombucha road and all that but as i'm getting into the organics and you know learning about that i'm putting you know the two together and i'm like holy shit i was kind of onto something before you know i even knew i was onto something there and uh and i was reading listening to the book i should say right the dirt cure lately and it talks a lot about uh microbes in the gut you know how it's actually 40% of how we, you know, think and 60% of how we feel, you know, the microbes in our gut, they're very intelligent. And uh, again, it started making sense. And, you know, it kind of, as you were talking to about you being lactose intolerant, you know, it talks in that book there about, you know, how keeping the right mycology in your gut correct on how, you know, milk can actually be a good thing if you've got, you know, the right gut going on, you know, the, the benefits are there. And if they, she, she was basically saying in a, a lot of instances that if you could bring it back to uh, a good state, that it reversed a lot of health issues, eczema and fucking uh, a lot of other, you know, lack, people that lactose that were lactose intolerant were no longer lactose intolerant. But it's, you know, pretty fascinating book how it related plants and humans all together from the soil, basically. Uh, it's a great book. It's a great book. If you haven't uh, listened or read it, you know, it's a good, good read or listen, that's for sure. You're uh, muted there, Seattle. Now can you hear me? I'm sitting there rambling. No, I was just saying that um, I have a friend who basically was telling me kind of about stomach flora, and um, he had the same problems I did when he was younger, and uh, basically it was kind of like a leaky gut almost. And so he ended up using, I can't remember the name of the product, but it I mean, he's able to eat whatever now. Like, he's like, I can eat dairy whenever. He said, you probably just got a leaky gut, man. (laughs) Okay. Like, I've tried all that methodology as well. But no, unfortunately, mine's an autoimmune disease. Too bad. Too bad. You know, know, just the kibata aspect of it uh, restored my ability to eat a lot of things. And without even knowing, you know. I was about ready to give up just hot foods all in general, man. My stomach just couldn't take it anymore. My system couldn't take it. And then I got on 
a regimen of taking care of my gut in the right way. I, it was all by accident, too. I was like, I come across some hot foods, and it was like, back in my mind was like, no, better stay away. Better stay away. But my yeah. taste buds were like, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd kind of indulge. And then the next day when I should have been in terrible, terrible pain, I was like, hey, wait a minute. This is all good. <laughs> and you know, actually, yeah, actually, I enjoyed Yeah. I was like thinking to myself, what have I been doing? I've been like, I've been taking care of the, my gut. Yes. And then I kind of tested the waters, you know what I mean? Keeping things in check. And then, you know, and it was working for me. And then when I was stopped taking care of my gut there for a minute, it started, you know, being cocky again. My it was like, ah, no, 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 no. You better going. go back to where you were. You're renting it. You're renting it, dude. <laughs> I think I got to get going here in a minute. I'm sure the wife's signaling me, telling me it's time. She needs to watch her shows. Golden uh, Girls. She wants to watch Golden Girls. <laughs> I'm taking up all the bandwidth. That's funny. Well, you know, I guess uh, with that being said, you know, I am very grateful for you hanging out tonight for sure. And I hope that uh, you're able to pop back, you know, both in the chat and check out the show. But uh, keep the Zoom numbers. Uh, anytime that you see a rabbit hole, you know, the show pops up and it says rabbit hole which will be, you know, shortly after this, we'll be vlogging back on doing a rabbit hole. But if you've got time and Golden Girls aren't on, uh, yeah. feel free to uh, jump back in. You don't need an invitation. You've already got, you know, the key. You know, just kind of pop by and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? You know, if you talk about breeding or whatever, please join us, you know. It helps yeah. the community grow. And, man, we like knowledgeable folks and, you know, we love good and eligible folks, and you set that tone right from the beginning with the hope. <laughs> I hope my mom and dad don't ever see this. I knew right from the get, right from there, I was like, this is a good guy. Right here. <laughs> so, again, please check back, and uh, you do have the Zoom numbers. I and, will. Uh, I, I can't can't thank you enough for uh, you know telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about what you do. The uh, only other thing I want to get from you before you go is uh, the soundbite. Hope you could give me a soundbite for uh, kind of it's the advertisement for the show. Basically, in my words, for me, it would sound like, hey, this is Eagle Gardens, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle. Episode 263. Check it out. Whatever. It's, you know, it's your soundbite. You can do what you want, but that's kind of the minimal. Anytime you're ready, I'd hit record on this segment so all right so what do you want me to say again hey i'm on eagle gardens yep hey basically this is chron seattle chronic seed seeds and i'm on fucking talking shit with eagle episode 263 whatever you want to do right i'm ready Ayo, it's I'm ready as well. You ready? Ready? All right. Ayo, it's seattle chronic seeds i'm on fucking talking shit with eagle here Episode two sixty three. The good or no? Hell yeah. That that's good, man. Can I, I go Eagle Gardens? Want to do one more? It. 
We can go another one. You can say the L. I, yeah, however you want. This is all right. Let's do one more. Okay. Yo, it's Seattle Chronic Seeds. I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle Gardens, episode two sixty three. Thank you, my friend. Uh, again, thank you very much for popping in and uh, spending some time with us. I'm sure a lot of us will be checking you out on Instagram. And you know, please stop back. Both uh, check out the show and just to hang out and chat. You know, get yourself uh, known a little bit more to know the people and community as we've got to know a little bit about you tonight. And uh, thank you and the missus. And you have a great night. Yeah, you too. I'll be back on for sure. I was actually going to give a quick shout out to a few of my seed banks, if that's cool. Um, I got. Um, oh, please. Yeah. So I actually just made a new drop over um, and it's a recent announcement. So I'm dropping a whole new line over at Neptune Seed Bank. Um, it's going to have uh, quite a few limited edition packs. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And Neptune Seed Bank, you can check them out on Instagram. Uh, you can find other genetics of mine on real seeds here now um and they have a website or on instagram uh hoku seed company and they carry cbd and cbg genetics uh of mine as well as their own and other breeders and they're a smaller mom and pop seed company based out of washington uh, shout out to floyd he's a hoku seed company so check them out as well um, they carry a lot of cbd genetics uh golden ticket seed company uh, instagram and they have a website as well we have regenerative seed company uh, I believe they have a few of my items left, and that's Dutch Blooms. Uh, Josh, shout out to him. We also have the Seed Connection. Uh, I have a whole Mactite line that went over to them. So if you're looking for some of the sold-out Mactite stuff, that's the place to go. Um, and then if I forgot anybody else. Oh, DC Seed Exchange. I'm sorry, Paul. So sorry. DC is the last one. So. Uh, they actually have a few packs left, and I'm going to drop them with some new stuff in the new year. So I should have a restock of the Big Sur Holyweed IBL headed to them uh, for those that were interested in that. But those are all the people who have helped me out, so shout out to them. And uh, thank you again, Eagle Gardens, for having me on. I really appreciate it, bro. It was nice talking to you. Thank you. Please do come back. Uh, I will, for sure. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, man. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night. To the rest of you guys, uh, if you want, please come hang out with me in the uh, rabbit hole here in a little bit. Still pretty early. I'm going to probably do a little bit of watering real quick. Give me about a half hour. I'll be back to rabbit hole. Uh, hopefully, you guys will do the same. Load up your trays. Get comfortable. Get a drink. Use the restroom, probably. Andy, man, i seen you in chat. Of course I would like you to come on and hang out with me. Personal invitation right there. Please hit me up with that DM. Uh, so many of you, anybody else, too, man, if you'd, love to, if you'd like to come hang out with me, introduce yourself into the community formally, uh, please do so. Please hit me up on Instagram, uh, Eagle Gardens one or fucking talking shit with Eagle. Both those counts uh, can get you to me and get you set up to come on the show. You can also drop me an email at eaglegardens1 at gmail.com. Yeah. Well, if you guys aren't going to tune into the rabbit hole in a little bit, 
thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you guys very much. Uh, do something nice for somebody. Randomize kindness. Do save lives. I'm a living, breathing example of that. And, uh, you know, people, like it or not, do have that time where they do need help. Some of, Some people won't ask for it when they need it the most. So don't feel... Don't wait until it's too late. Reach out there. Say hello. How you doing? Some people, just a random, you look good today. will make their day. So hopefully you guys do check out the rabbit hole. I look forward to seeing you guys in about a half hour. If not, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking out Seattle Chronic Seeds. Please check them out on Instagram and all the seed banks and the website that he had stated earlier. And uh, thank you. Much love to you guys. I am out for a few. I'll be back, though. I'll be back. You guys have an amazing night.